Hi again, folks, and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kojimam, again. Great to have you with us, as always, and thanks for tuning in. Our last episode was a recording of a call that we had with a new client who contacted us um, just expressing interest in holiday properties, which can also be let out by the month uh, while they're not being used. Now, he was referring in the call to an article that we published which breaks down a similar deal, which we facilitated on behalf of another client of ours. So we thought it'd be a good idea to turn that article into a podcast episode as well, just so that you'll be able to listen in as we analyze that deal and highlight the reasoning and the thought processes that went into greenlighting it, and also review its performance so far as far as income generation and expenses coverage goes. So the property we're talking about in that article is in Itoshima City, which is a beach community about 30 minutes by train west of Fukuoka City. Tiny population, about 100,000 people, but it's become super popular over the last few years, both for holiday and residential or retirement purposes. So it's everything you'd imagine a quiet, beautiful, peaceful beach community to be like. It's got restaurants, cafes, galleries, a huge collection of lookout points, you know, just cliffs overlooking dramatic landscapes, and of course, plenty of bathing and ocean activity beaches and so forth. That's all to the north, and the south side of Itoshima is all evergreen mountains, hiking trails, little temples, mossy old shrines just nestled in between the trees, um, lots of agricultural produce and fruit, vegetable shops and farms, etc. Some museums, waterfalls, you know, surrounded by beautiful maple trees. So basically a gorgeous place to visit and live, and a lot of people have been doing just that. So buying or building homes all around the place from old, traditional, majestic Japanese farm homes that have been renovated um, and all the way up to multi-million dollar mansions um, overlooking the bay, you name it. Prices have been rising, but only slightly so far. Uh, Transactions have picked up significantly in the last couple of years, though, so prices are definitely sure to follow. We were still lucky enough, though, to source a small studio unit there, um, quite large by Japanese standards, actually 34 square meters, on the eighth floor of a residential building right across from the beach, um, spectacular ocean and forest view, virtually one minute walk to the beach, five minutes walk to the nearest train station, ideal location for a holiday, and that was for only 30,000 US dollars or so. Now, the client who asked us to find him the property is a business owner from the US, and he specifically wanted a beachside holiday property for his own personal use. But since he's only going to be using it once every couple of years and because buildings have monthly building fees and there's also property tax and occasional renovations, repairs, etc., he really wanted to also lease it out by the month whenever he's not using the place, which is really most of the time aside from a month every year or two or so. So for this purpose, the property, of course, needs to be furnished, appliances need to be installed, etc., and also it needs to be attractive enough for short-term guests uh, to actually want to lease it. So we did what we do, we conducted some research, we reached out to our realtor partners um, in Fukuoka and Itoshima, and we found this property, again, on the eighth floor of a nine-story building, uh, built 1991, so up to the latest earthquake-resistant building standards um, for these reinforced concrete blocks. It even came with a bit of furniture and a TV, which were left over by the seller, um, the guy used to actually live in the property himself. So really all it needed was some bed linen, uh, kitchen and toilet utensils, uh, washing machine, microwave oven, etc. And it was good to go for monthly leases. Now the property was vacant at the time of purchase, so there was no tenant related due diligence involved. Uh, 
All that really remained for us to do in that case was to review the building's reserve funds pool status and then to correlate this with the building's uh, recent renovation history. So it turns out the building is very well maintained. The last large renovation was carried out 11 years prior to the purchase. The reserve funds pool at that time contained about 54 million Japanese yen, so about half a million US dollars. Not a huge amount for a 100-unit building, but still more than acceptable for our buyer, since that amount would most likely cover at least one large renovation, which might be required in the next five or six years. So barring any emergencies, it was less than likely that building fees will go up, at least in the near uh, future or the next few years. Now, monthly maintenance and reserve fund contribution fees were approximately 11,000 Japanese yen, so about 100 US. And that also includes um, free usage of a small gym, an exercise room, swimming pool and sauna. And considering that an average two-week hotel room stay would cost about the same yearly amount um, or more, then that amount is more than acceptable. But it definitely means that we want to keep the property generating as much income as possible when the owner is not using it to cover up for those fees at least and hopefully more than that. So we got right down to it after settlement. We collected the new title deed, the ownership registration documentation uh, from the Legal Affairs Bureau, and then we went about trying to lease the property out on a monthly basis. Now again, the owner wants the property available for their own use if and when they come to Japan, so it had to be monthly. And also, if you recall, real short-term stay like Airbnb and such, which would mean advertising and leasing the property out uh, on a daily or weekly basis, are just not really that much of an option anymore in Japan because, again, if you'll recall from our previous episodes, the new legislation enacted here in 2018 requires a lot more licensing, a lot more reporting and compliance. And the real problem is that building owner co-ops and their appointed management companies can ban that practice altogether. And most of them, uh, this building definitely included, have already done so. So no Airbnb, no short-term stays or what's called uh, minpaku in Japan. So this left us with only the monthly leasing or monthly mansion arrangement as it's known here. And that means that as long as the property is leased out for a minimum of one month per stay, and as long as there's standard tenancy leases in place, that lease doesn't actually fall under the uh, Minpaku, the short-term stay legislation, which means that it's classified as a standard lease uh, for all practical and legal purposes. So again, building management companies, um, other owners, uh, other tenants even might not really like that practice, but there's really nothing that they can do to prohibit it, at least legally. So we furnish the place, we put in those appliances, utensils, etc., and all of that cost approximately a thousand US dollars. We replace the wallpaper, some of the older sections of the flooring, which had a bit of wear and tear on them, and that really gave the place a brand new look. Then we appointed a monthly lease property manager, put them in place for advertising, and they also handle all check-ins, check-outs, uh, cleaning, uh, collecting rent, etc. They also get the security deposit uh, and collect uh, rent a month or so in advance each time. Uh, they also hook up utilities, so power, water, internet, gas for heating, and of course they charge the guests for these utilities as well. And the charge is done on a daily basis, depending on the number of days they're actually booked for. Uh, they also collect a cleaning fee in advance, so the owner is really fully covered for all expenses. Now, we've initially assumed that the property will only be occupied during the summer months, considering the beach location and all, but we've actually been very pleasantly surprised and quite lucky with it. So plenty of guests have been booking, even during winter and autumn, 
which is surprising because the Japanese are notoriously beach shy. They tend to only go to the beach in July and August. But for some reason, perhaps because of the uh, younger and, and popular vibe of the place, this place is actually booked very close to 100% occupancy, which means that even with occasional repairs and such, the owner is still netting about 12 or 13% net pre-tax, which is spectacular to say the least, about double the yield he would get with any kind of long-term lease. And most importantly, the owner can use it whenever they're here. Unless, of course, somebody else books it before them, in which case they just book a hotel or Airbnb instead, and they still make more than enough to cover their holiday expenses, so big win on their end as well. Now, obviously, not all monthly rentals do as well as this one, and it is possible to have a place stand empty for a few months a year, and that can put a dent in your income, of course, but generally speaking, monthly rentals, if the location and property are attractive enough, do tend to generate much higher income than standard long-term leases. So normally it's well worth the extra hassle that they come with and for anyone interested in having their own place to use when they come to visit and generate some rental income in the process while they're not here, this is the ideal solution. So that's it uh, probably from us for today. Hopefully this gives you a better idea of how exactly these types of deals are done. We regularly get these types of properties from our realtor partners. So if you're at all interested in reviewing the potential numbers of any of them, don't be shy. Hit us up via email or in the comments section or wherever you might have found this episode. And we'll get right back to you as soon as possible. We're always happy to talk shop, so no strings or any other obligations attached, of course. Um, do share this episode or our podcast in general with your own networks if you think they'll find it interesting. And we would really, really appreciate it if you could take a moment of your time and leave us a rating or even better, a review, you know, the kind with actual words in it, um, on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or wherever you might have found us. It just helps us reach more and more people, which is, or at least we think it is, in everyone's best interest. Hope to have you with us next time, and until then, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you, as always, happy investing.